Good evening. What a wonderful, wonderful day. How blessed we are to be able to petition God at any time in our life, but to be among a church family that will come together almost every day of the daylight hours and several of the evening and early morning hours to petition God. If you have not yet had the opportunity and privilege to be able to do that in your schedule, be sure and stay after tonight. And you may want to spend several hours tonight doing that. And what a blessing it is. We are thankful uh, for a wonderful weekend. Our teachers' appreciation banquet last night was a time, of course, where we wanted to honor teachers and let them know how much they are appreciated. And it was a tremendous and wonderful time. There are a lot of individuals that gave their words of praise and thanksgiving for the teachers. And last year, we brought in a group that is really pretty well known throughout the southeastern of the Brotherhood. It's Cornerstone. It's a group from Faulkner University. And they're quite capable and able singers. And they did a great job. But last night, we topped them by far. Uh, Last night, we had Laura's Angels class to sing four songs for us, and they are really, really talented. And they really, really inspired all of us. And Brittany and Bryant Luna and also Steve Williams, you just had to be there. I can't explain it to you. It was beautiful, and what a blessing. It was a gift. It was a beautiful gift uh, that they gave Uh, all the teachers there, and it truly was a wonderful, wonderful evening. We appreciate Tim Martin and his work in education and and especially uh, Saturday night and putting that together and executing that in a marvelous way. We appreciate the work he does on a daily basis here. He's doing a tremendous job. Also, on Friday morning, we were able to honor veterans with a breakfast and a program, and David Hughes did a tremendous job in speaking. He is very sincere His message was very powerful. Uh, His love for God and for country was evident, and we appreciate him taking the time to come and to be with us, and we appreciate each veteran, and hopefully that was communicated. And we appreciate John Michael and his organization of this day and the great work that he is continuing to do also. I'd like to read to you what one veteran emailed us just shortly after the the, uh, occasion. He said, I attended your veterans appreciation meal and program on the 11th, and I wanted you to know that I enjoyed it very much. Thank you to all the people who did the serving and the meal preparation. It was great. I am retired, and I appreciated this show of gratitude for the veterans very much. Master Sergeant retired, Jimmy Sutterfield of Mount Juliet, Tennessee. It's wonderful when we can give honor to whom honor is due, and then also in so doing, give the glory to God. You know, as we think about prayer, we'd be amiss if we didn't also think about answered prayers. And I think about as I was praying last year on prayer day, one of the requests that, that I so happened to receive was a request to pray for a young couple that wanted a baby. And they didn't sign their name, didn't know who it was, but we prayed for them that day. And today they passed by and told me, he said, we're expecting. And uh, answered prayer. God is good. God answers every prayer. And that's a part of what we're speaking about tonight is, is looking at the Lord's prayer as it is sometime deemed. It's on page 853 in the Bible that's in your pew. Or if you want to open your Bible to Matthew, the sixth chapter, we're going to give a quick review and then look at the last part of this prayer 
When we looked this morning, we saw that Jesus was teaching in Matthew, the sixth chapter. He was teaching us in this manner, therefore pray. Notice, he did not say in these words. In other words, it was never intended to be a memorized prayer that would be a vain repetition. But he was saying, I want you to understand the various things that ought to be done in prayer and the priority of these things in prayer. And so today, we've been trying to look not so much as the particular wording, but the content of this prayer. And we noticed who is addressed in prayer. And it was our Father in heaven. And we noticed that also, he said, how would be your name? We talked about how, even beginning with the Ten Commandments, the third commandment was to not use the name of the Lord in vain. And prayer is to be the extreme, the polar opposite of that, where we literally would exalt the name of God in prayer. And then he also prayed, your kingdom come. We talked this morning about how the kingdom ought to be of the highest priority in our life. And think about it, if things are the highest priority, they would naturally be a part of our daily prayer. A part of our daily prayer ought to be exalting the name of God. It ought to be the will of the kingdom being done and us finding our place in the will of the kingdom. And then also he prayed, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We mentioned the fact that even the angels submit to the will of the Father and they're in heaven. And now Jesus' prayer is that us on earth would do the same thing that the heavenly host does. That we would want God's will to be done in our life. Now when we skip forward two slides there, we see the slides that are underlined, your and us. Now this is where we left off this morning. I just want you to see this though so that maybe there's a natural breakdown in your mind so that you can understand better the content of these of this particular prayer so that we can pray in this manner. Notice how it's obviously addressed our father. And then it's, it's lifting up your name, your kingdom and your will in our lives and in our prayer. But then the last part of this is about give us daily bread, forgive us our debts. And then also do not lead us into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. So tonight for a few moments, Let's look at what we would pray on behalf of ourselves as we would pray after the manner of what Jesus has taught us to pray. When we consider the wording to give us our daily bread, I'm going to have to ask you to really focus. It's not that it's so complex. It's that we're so blessed that we might miss the greater lesson that is to be learned here. Many of us could, I'm not saying we'd intentionally say this, but maybe it's because of this that we might struggle with this, almost unaware that, that we would even struggle with this. Many of us here have enough money to buy next week's groceries. And so when we think about daily provisions... Let's be honest, there's probably more of us here that are praying something like this. Lord, help me to discipline myself that I don't overeat today. Lord, help, help me not to eat all of the food that's in the cabinet today. And yet, here the Lord is saying, I want you to learn the manner of which to pray. I want you to be grateful for your daily, not, not looking down the line of the week. Look at this moment. Look at today. Look at what God provides right now. And he says, I want you to learn to pray after this manner. Be thankful for what is right here. And the truth is, if we, if we think, well, I, I have a, a kitchen full of groceries. And also, 
it's not that I'm rich, but I have plenty of money that when it comes to like buying the next meal, I could easily buy the next meal. And the truth is I could buy tomorrow's meal and really not give a lot of thought to it. So how, how do I deal with this manner of prayer that is to be so grateful for the very next meal? How about this? If you think the money you have gives you the ability to produce the next meal, try to produce that next meal without God being involved in it. You say, how do you mean that? Well, have you ever thought about the fact that God did create us and God created us that we can only be sustained with food? That brings up why? Why? I mean, why didn't God sustain us so that we could all just get a spoon and go out and eat some dirt? It's kind of everywhere. It'd be a lot easier. Or why didn't He make us so that we don't have to eat anything to be sustained? Why did God make us so that we have to be sustained with regular intake and that intake is not just anything, but it has to be food? And why is it that in the category of food, it is always things that we don't have the ability to make? Think about it. Vegetables are living plants. Man has never made one living cell, much less a living plant. Meat is from living animals. Man can't make a living cell, much less an entire animal. And, and you say, wow, David, you're, you're kind of stretching there. No, this is as biblical as it can be. Go back to Genesis, the first chapter. Now, I, I know it's obvious, but think, we're talking about the first page in the Bible. What does God want us to know? The first page in the Bible. In Genesis 1 and 29, and God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth. Now, see what he's saying? Now, we could read earlier how it's always seed after it uh, produces fruit or, or a plant or an animal after its kind. And it's God saying, I've made it that way. And now he says, I've given you these herbs that's going to produce seed that can produce the next uh, herb and, and on and on and on for, for millenniums. And so notice the rest of 29 where he says, which is on the face of all the earth and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, it shall be for food. From the very beginning of time, God said, I want you to understand, I have made a way for you to survive. I am the one who has made this food for you. Noah's family gets off the ark. Let's go to Genesis, the ninth chapter. In Genesis, the ninth chapter, they're given the warning or instruction, if you will, in verse 2, that the animals are going to be afraid of them. And then he tells us why. <laughs> There's supper. All right. In, in Genesis, the ninth chapter, in 2 and 3. Look at Genesis 9, 2 and 3. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth and on every bird of the air and on all that move on the earth and on all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hand. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs. Now let's go back to that scenario. 
You have enough money to buy today's food and next week's food. Why should you be grateful to God? You take your money and you provide supper without God being a partner with you. I hope your $10 tastes good. Because you're going to have to eat it because God is involved in everything that keeps you alive. The very oxygen that you just inhaled was a gift and a provision of God. The heart that's involuntarily pumping right now is a design and a gift of God. And the vegetables and the herbs that you will eat, they are all made by God putting life in the seed, God giving water, God giving sunshine. Remember, first day, let there be light. God has given everything about what provides our very next meal. Jesus, what are you trying to teach us? He says, I want you to understand, you can't make it one meal without God. Pray for your daily food. In 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, be turning there. This is a beautiful passage that ought to help us see what God is trying to tell us literally from the first page of the Bible. The setting of this is that there were some that were teaching false doctrine. And so he was urging them to go back, of course, to the truth. And so what he was going to do was reveal the fact that when they were trying to tell individuals there's certain things that you can't eat, he's not just going to simply say, oh, don't listen to them, you can eat them. He's going to teach us why you can eat them, and then get this, and how you are to eat them. We're in 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter. Let's pick up in the middle of the sentence in verse 3. One of the things they were teaching was forbidding to marry. And then notice this next. And commanding to abstain from foods. Which foods? Notice how Paul states this. Which God created to be received with what? Thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. And let's pause there and come back to the next sentence in just a moment. So notice he says, if you know and believe the truth, you're going to know that food is something we make, receive. You can't make food in the sense that it's being spoken of here. It can only be received from God. And so he says, someone tells you, you can't eat this certain meat. You don't have to listen to them because they're not the one that created that meat. But there's one that did create that meat, and he created that meat and gave you that meat so that you could enjoy it for food. Now he says, if you believe and know the truth, You won't be misled by a false teacher. But did you see what I've not commented on yet that we just read? There's a certain way we're to receive it. With thanksgiving. Notice the next verse clarifies it. It's redundant, but it makes it real clear. Look at verse 4. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused. Here's the big if. The big if. We don't refuse food as long as we do this. If it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. What food should we not take part in? Food that we have not prayed in thanksgiving to God should not be eaten. 
It is the knowledge of the Word of God that sanctifies our meal, that sets us apart. It's ready for us to eat. It's the knowledge that God has said, I've made this for you. And it's the fact that you receive it with thanksgiving. And he says, once you have done those two things, you now are ready to eat. We're not ready to eat if we have not received it with thanksgiving. Mark, the sixth chapter. Jesus took a little boy's lunch. And before he broke the bread and multiplied it, he offered a prayer of thanksgiving. In Mark, the eighth chapter, he was going to feed 4,000. And before he broke that bread and multiplied it, he offered a prayer of thanksgiving. And even the Lord's Supper, as our Lord instituted the Lord's Supper, before he broke it, And gave it to them to eat. He first gave thanks for the bread. And then gave thanks for the cup before he passed it. Post-resurrection, the two on the road to Emmaus that Jesus comes up and visits with until it's evening time. And they turn into a house to spend the night. At least that was the plans. They sat down at a meal and they're about to break bread. And Jesus pauses... And he gives thanks. Please get this. It's not a ritual. It's genuine gratitude for the recognition that everything that sustains us is a gift from God. And we should never take it for granted or take it without gratitude. And so our prayers, our prayers are for our daily food. And if God has given us a million dollars, we still are so and just as grateful for the daily provisions as someone who only has a dime. Because neither one has an opportunity of provision without God. It's a powerful teaching from the beginning of the Scriptures to the end of the Scriptures to be grateful. To be grateful for every blessing. Let's quickly mention the next two areas. When we go back to our text in Matthew, the sixth chapter, we see also that we're dealing with the debt that we all carry. Notice there, as he says, and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. I think this is Jesus, the one that is on the way eventually to the cross. And why is he on the cross? He's on the cross to pay our debt. Now, isn't it interesting in prayer, he says, in teaching on prayer, he says, I want you to pray about your debt. And he's the one that's going to pay it for us, but he's teaching. I want you to pray about your debt, that you will be forgiven of your debt. But also, I want you to pray that you always be willing to forgive others. Because if you don't forgive others, you can't be forgiven of your debt. You see, there's really two topics under discussion here, but they both both fall under the guidelines here of trespasses. We need to make sure that as we pray, we are very grateful And much aware of the fact that without our Savior, we have no hope. 
But then Jesus can't teach on this without saying, but realize you're not in a position to be forgiven unless you also are willing to forgive others that have hurt you. Now that's the challenge is forgiving others that have hurt us. It's easy when something's been very minor and very little offense to forgive. But what about when it has been deep pain? Are we willing and are we able to forgive? As a matter of fact, this was such a heavy topic that when you look in the text here in Matthew, the sixth chapter, you know, verse 13 ends what we're studying of the Lord's prayer here. Look at verse 14 and 15 of Matthew 6. He continues on this very same topic, Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. It's clear and it's easy to understand. But the challenge is making sure that that is a part of our life. Now, let's go back to that challenge. So someone says, listen, I'm trying. I'm trying to forgive and and I'm just struggling. I'm, I'm not doing a very good job at it. Do you remember that after the Mount Transfiguration. Do you remember that while Jesus and the closest three apostles were up on the mountain, that there were other apostles in the valley? And there was a man who had a son had seizures. And he brought him to them. And these, these seizures would actually throw the son into fire and try to drown him in water. It was terrible. And the apostles were not able to cast this demon out of the sun. Jesus came off the mountain and Jesus saw the man and the man said, your your disciples have tried and they can't. Can you help my son? And Jesus cast the demon out and it says later privately, Matthew 17, it was later privately, the disciples asked, why could we not cast that demon out? And Jesus' answer was, this type can only be cast out by prayer and fasting. I wonder how many things we wrestle with that are really, really hard. And we might even use the expression, it's getting the best of us. I wonder how often God would be looking down and saying, If you would just pray more, if you would just fast, we, because see, prayer puts us in partnership with God, we could get through this one. Listen, if Jesus teaches us the manner that we are to pray is we're to pray about ourselves forgiving others, and I'm struggling forgiving someone, and I haven't been praying about it, I've set myself up for failure. This is a part of the manner of prayer. I must be praying to have that compassionate and merciful heart to forgive others like our Lord had to forgive us. And then the final part of this prayer, at least in this section, the final part of the prayer is to not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This brings the realization that we do have an enemy. Notice the evil one. It's not just a force alone. It's not just wickedness alone. There is a leader of this wickedness. There is one that is powerful. 
And here the prayer is the recognition that we can't fight Satan alone. And so the prayer is, Lord, lead us so that we're not going to fall in the way of temptation. Lead us so that we're not going to be overcome by this evil one. I must have God's protection in order to have victory over the evil one. Without God, there is no hope. So as we think about this, we think about the close of this where it is said, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Praise. Giving God glory. Do you do that often in your prayers? Isn't it interesting, in this short prayer of less than 70 words, here we have several words of those 70 giving praise to God, to His kingdom, to His power, to His glory. The better we see God for who He is, the better we see ourselves for who we are. When we see Him as the King of the kingdom, we'll want to see ourselves as a faithful citizen. When we see His almighty power, we recognize that we don't have that kind of power. We're frail, we're weak, and we need to lean on the one who has power. When we see the one of great glory, we realize that the only way we could ever shine is to be a reflection of Him. We must take time to praise God. There was a time in 1 Chronicles, the 29th chapter, that David was about to turn over the kingdom to his son. He wanted his son to build the temple, a majestic temple. He was going to gather all of the goods for that temple. And he asked the people to bring offerings. And the people brought so many offerings that it was astonishing. The amount of gold and silver and bronze and iron. And all of this heap of generosity. He said it revealed the loyalty of the people. And the heart of the people. And then he said a prayer. Because he recognized, now please get this. He recognized that the only way the people could give such beautiful gifts was because God had first given those gifts to them. Tonight, I really don't know how you feel about the Mount Juliet congregation. But many of us here, would have very difficult time putting into words what this family means to us. Many of us have received generous amounts of love, of patience, of long-suffering. Generous opportunities to serve together, to worship together. I just overheard a, a, a man say this past week, well, we would probably move somewhere else talking about out of this town. But he said, we would never leave the Mount Juliet congregation. Do you realize that everything that is good here, everything that we receive from others as a blessing here, it's because God has first given it. We don't give each other anything good unless we first received it from God. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and I want us to say a prayer of praise 
And I'm going to say David's prayer of praise when he looked at the generous, abundant gifts of the people and he realized it wasn't just that the people were good, it was that God is good. And he said this prayer because God was so good as he reflected on how good the people around him were. And as we say this prayer of praise to God, I hope that it reflects your heart, that you're able, as, as I lead us in this prayer, I hope that you're able to reflect with all of us and with David how great our God is. Please bow your heads. Our most gracious God, blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you. You reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. And in your son's name we pray. Amen. Our God is great. And because of his greatness and his generosity, the things that are truly great, we can receive those too. Listen, if we don't have that oneness with God, we're robbing ourselves of all the things that matter. Are you close to Him? Does your life reflect Him? The blessings that you have, are they because you're walking step and step with Him? Tonight, if you're not, change that tonight. However we can help you. If you're ready to be immersed into Christ or if you're ready to come back or if you you just need further help and support and prayer, whatever we can do to help you, let's let a life reflect that manner of prayer and then let's let our prayers reflect that manner of prayer. If we can help you, come as we stand and as we sing.